Here in Judges chapter 6, Gideon tests God, and God shows us his kindness and patience towards not only Gideon, but us as well. It's a marvelous look at God's tender, loving kindness, next on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gustine. He remembers our frame, remembers we are but dust. God knows his creation all too well, and as such, is willing to be very patient, long-suffering, and kind towards us. And that kindness is explored here today in Judges chapter 6, verse 36. It's a continuing look at Gideon and the work of the Spirit and the assurance of victory. The kindness of God really shows up when Gideon tests God, not once, but twice. Shouldn't have had to test him at all. But it shows us just how patient God really is with us. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The people that help this world run right and efficiently are men and women who have understanding. They can take it apart and they can put it back together again. They can take it apart and they can put it back together again. That's called biblically wisdom. Are you guys hearing me? And, 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 and Gideon wants the wisdom. It's a lot I told you. When Gideon was endowed with the Spirit of God here, he wasn't endowed to go around uh, making a boast in himself. He wasn't endowed by the Spirit of God to just make a bunch of flailing noise and get the guys all roused up to go to battle. He was endowed with the Spirit of God that he might acquire wisdom and understanding how to organize men, how to prepare men, how to position them, how to fight. How to win. This is what you and I are going to see in the next separation principle in chapter 7, are we not? So he's being given wisdom and is starting with an analogy. I've got a few more minutes. I'll be able to put this forth clearly. The analogy is him using an object lesson in his um, engaging God to give him an assurance of faith. The analogy here has inherent in it the gospel that I want you to see today. Because the gospel of the grace of God in Christ is the only way you and I can obtain assurance that what God has said he would do, he will do. Did you guys understand what I just said? So you pray with date, the psalmist, open thou my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. Because right now what's in front of me, Lord, is a parable. And I want the interpretation of the parable. I don't want you to just be doing tricks with fleeces. Tell me what the mystery of redemption in Christ is in this account, because that's what Gideon is really asking. Gideon is asking the question, did Christ really die for my sins? Did Christ really bear the wrath of God? Did Christ suffer on the behalf of all of his elect the outpouring of the wrath of God upon him who is called the Lamb of God? Did God absorb, did Christ absorb all my sin, past, present, and future 
in the one holy, harmless, spotless Lamb of God. If he did, then I know that God will not forsake me. Am I making some sense? All right, then, so let's understand the gospel here. Gideon does reverse engineering, and upon the ground let there be dew. And notice what the text says. We can look at verse 39, uh, verse 40. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece, what? Only, and there was dew on all the ground. Here's the lesson. You've got three entities here. You've got the fleece, and you have the floor. This is the context in which the request is made, is it not? You've got the fleece, and you've got the floor. That's what we are seeing back over in verse 38, uh, verse 37. Behold, I will put a fleece of wood where? On the floor. Two symbolic connotations come out of this that are easy to see for you and me to understand this is about the death, burial, and resurrection of the God-man Jesus Christ. When we are dealing with fleece, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the shearing of the wool of the lamb. Are we not? And does not Isaiah 53 verse, tell, verse 7 tell us that like a sheep or a lamb before his shearers, he was dumb and opened not his mouth? Is that what your Bible says? The woolly fleece of the Lord Jesus Christ was shaved off of him to leave him naked so that he might bear the wrath of God Almighty. Does anyone know for whom he bore that wrath? He bore it for any and everyone that would believe on him. I can say he bore that wrath for me. All of God's elect can say that Christ died for my sin. When God poured out his wrath on Christ, it was like the dew that came down from heaven. Deuteronomy chapter 32, let's look at it right quick and hear the doctrine explicitly asserted by God himself. He lays it out in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses one through four. Here it is. Give ear, O ye heavens. Now who dwells in heaven? God's elect do, right? We are seated in heavenly places, are we not, in Christ Jesus? Does that also mean that we have access to heavenly revelation? Are we not receiving it now? Are there not people who dwell on the earth for whom heavenly revelation, there is no access? Here it is. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. What are we talking about? We're talking about the word of God coming down from heaven. Is that the truth? Is not Jesus the bread that comes down from heaven? Is he not the living word that men and women need for salvation? And is not he the doctrine of the living God? Look at verse 2. My doctrine shall drop as the what? Now, what is he doing? He's using the metaphor of the rain as an expression of the totality of the counsel of God. The whole counsel of God is represented by first being positioned in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What is God's word? Or rather, who is God's word? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father. What? Full of grace and truth. He came from heaven and he went back to heaven. Did he not? He came from heaven to do God's will 
And was not the will of the living God that he should be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Is not he therefore the one that came from heaven and has went back to heaven? And him going back to heaven, what did he send? The Holy Ghost in order that the word of the living God might have resonance in our life that we might see the glory of God in the doctrines of grace and in the doctrines of the word of God. And the glory of God is summed up in the work of Christ, in the redemption of sinners, in the payment for our sins, in the propitiation that assures us that our enemies will never have victory over us again. All I need is one soul to say hallelujah, amen, and amen. Here it is. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the shower upon the grass. That is a study in itself because it's giving you three, uh, three qualities of the rain. Okay. The dew becomes that part of God's doctrinal truth that always render the notion of favor a favor. The dew is always that doctrinal truth that always renders the notion of favor. When God's favor is on you, his dew is on you. Am I making some sense? All right, so I'll just make that good. This is going to be Psalm 133, verse 3. Just state it, see it for yourself. Some of you who know your Bible, you're already rejoicing with me because you know these things are true. This is why we study the word of God very carefully here. We want to understand the interpretation of a thing, do we not? Right, because the heavens declare the glory of God, do they not? Yep, and the firmament's his handiwork. And men and women who have the eyes of faith can see the glory of God in the things that are made, can we not? And so the word of God gives us keys. As the dew, there it is, of Hermon. And as the dew that does what? It descends from heaven upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord hath commanded blessing forevermore. What is the psalmist talking about? The mediatorial work of our great high priest represented in Aaron. And remember how he was anointed with oil? And according to the previous verse, it went from his head all the way down to his feet. What is that talking about? It's talking about us being in Christ, experiencing the blessing of the anointing that's on him. Go back to verse two, because I forgot the folk in the house that don't read the Bible. Here it is. It's like the precious ointment upon the head. So it starts on the head. That ran down upon Aaron's beard. Aaron is the high priest. He's Hebrew. He's going to have a beard, is he not? He is the mediator between God and his people. Who is Aaron pointing to? Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and man. Might it be very clearly stated that the oil of anointing here represents the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God, even Aaron's beard that went all the way down to the skirt of his garment. That means it went all the way down to his feet. Now, Aaron's body is a representative of the Jewish people for whom Aaron was a mediator and type for them under Moses. But Jesus is our high priest and Jesus is our head and we are his body. And when Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost, did he not send the Holy Ghost back to anoint us from his neck all the way down his feet? Do you now not experience the anointing of the spirit of God as I am talking to you? Opening your eyes to the reality that our blessing is contained in his blessing. 
Our blessing is contained in his blessing. Go back to the text. Thank you, Gideon. Do you know what Gideon did? Gideon took the fleece that pointed to the crucified Christ and said, God, show us your testimony of truth on the fleece. And don't bless the ground yet. Bless the fleece. Because what we know about the fleece is that all of our spiritual blessings that are rendered to us are in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. So what God does with the fleece is demonstrate that he has favor on Christ because Christ laid down his life and won the crown rights for all of God's favor. This will help some of you. God's blessing on you can only come to you if you're in Christ. All the blessings of God are in him. And when you are in him, then you get those blessings too. This is why Gideon did not say, bring the dew on the ground first. I'm getting ready to talk about that. Bring the dew upon the fleece first, because the fleece tells us that Jesus is the spotless lamb of God, the holy, harmless, undefiled, knew no sin, did no sin. In him was no sin. He qualifies then to bear God's wrath and own the crown rights of eternal blessing for his people. Do you see it? Do you see it? Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Some of you ought to be excited about it. Because the only reason your eyes are open is because Christ bore the wrath of God, won the crown rights to save you and give you a revelation of his glory. Am I making some sense? He won the crown rights. He was stripped of his glory. He bore the wrath of God. He was made naked for your sins that you might be clothed in that woolly righteousness of Christ in order to obtain the blessings in him. I know some of you are saying that's too good to be true, but it is. It it is. It's true. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. And that brother knew it. Now, what about the floor? Because we find now that Gideon says, would you now do it to the floor? Would you bless the floor? Well, if you'll notice in your text, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, right? Well, where is that floor? What is that floor? The grammar makes it very clear. The floor is given to us in verse 11. Go back to verse 11. We're going all the way back to where Gideon started. Do you know where Gideon started? He started hiding in the wine press which became a threshing floor for the treading out of the corn. That's the same word. It's called the threshing floor. Gideon said, I need you to bless this wool with an affirmation of your favor, but don't bless the floor yet. Now, after he affirmed that the priority of the blessing is rooted in the wool, now bless the floor. I am asserting that the dew represents the doctrine of blessing. Are you guys affirming that? Right, because the dew is what is necessary for all things to grow. It's necessary for all things to be refreshed and revived. Am I making sense? This is Psalm 110, verse 3, too. Don't go there yet. Notice what the text says. And his son Gideon did what? Threshed wheat. Literally, he threshed on the floor of the wine press. Wheat 
in order to prepare it to save his people, to save his family. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is not hard for me. I get it. The wool points to Christ as the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The threshing floor points to the place where God redeems his elect and separates them from the wicked and the righteous. The threshing floor is a critical doctrine in the scriptures. The threshing floor is right next to the wine press. And the wine press represents the wrath of God that was poured out upon the son of the living God. This is why Jesus goes into Gethsemane. He goes into Gethsemane as the lamb of God. But he also goes into Gethsemane to bear the work of threshing to separate us from our sin, separate us from the wrath of God, separate us from the curse of the law and to separate us unto himself. We saw it in the picture. We become the wheat that he gathers into his barnery. But the only reason we're gathered in is because of the lamb of God who bears the wrath of God in our behalf. Say amen if you got it. Say amen if you got it. And see, you and I could go at length. My time is up. We could go at length because the threshing floor is a wonderful place several times in the scripture. I'll just give you two. The first is in the days of King David when the angel of the Lord was destroying the people of God because David numbered the people in arrogance, assuming that God wins battles by numbers. And what God told him to do is you need to go by the threshing floor of your servant and offer a sacrifice in order to propitiate for the sins of the people. Do you remember that? David bought the floor from that brother. David offered a sacrifice and the plague was stopped. What is the threshing floor? It's the place where Christ pays for our sin. The next one is in the book of Ruth. Chapter three, verse three, where this very enigmatic instruction is given by Naomi to Ruth. Brother Boaz is in the threshing floor, sleep. Now I need you to go there late at night because we don't want any other brother or sister to see you creeping up on Boaz. Is anybody with me? Now this is mama Naomi telling Ruth how to get a man. This would have to be totally broken down for the 21st century. Don't have time. (laughs) And what does she do in the threshing floor? She reveals herself to Boaz and Boaz says, I will marry you. It was right there. They were engaged. Boaz rose up the next morning and immediately went to the work of looking for the kinsman redeemer settling him, purchasing Naomi and Ruth, and Ruth was able to marry Boaz. It's in the threshing floor that you and I are married to Christ who dies for our sins and places us in him so that again, all the blessings of God are yes and amen in him. Please hear what I am doing. Please hear what I am saying. I'm saying that Gideon is not rendering some arbitrary request. His request is in Christ. His prayer is in Jesus. His desire for assurance of winning the battle is a totally gospel-centered request. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? He's asking God to reveal Christ as his substitute and surety of redemption so that when he leaves 
that next morning to go to the battle, he will know that the battle is already won because Christ has already died, risen, ascended on high. And he has the blessing. But now the dew is on the floor because the floor is where the people of God are. This is where you and I labor. We're in the threshing floor right now. Do you know that? Yeah, we are in the we are in the task of separating the chaff from the wheat. That's what the Holy Ghost is doing right now in this room. Separating chaff from wheat, separating the elect from the non-elect, separating the rebel from God's rebel sinners. Oh, we are praying that every one of you know the grace of the living God. But it's just so that the church is a threshing floor. Let the wheat and the tare grow together. So the gospel's preached and some of us love it and some of us go ho-hum. I'm sorry that that's the case because the preaching of the gospel is to bring assurance to us on the grounds of not who we are, but on the grounds of who he is. Did you guys get that? Got one more thing to say and I'm done. This is amazing. It's an amazing thing to me. And here's what's amazing. I'm not going to unpack the rest of this point. What's amazing to me is how that God would hear a man and set aside nature to affirm him in his salvation. How that the omnipotent, almighty God of the universe who holds everything up by the word of his power, would hear the prayer of a single saint and modify nature, manipulate nature, hold it back, send it forward, increase it, stop it, let it flow. God has done that over and over and over again in the scriptures to let us know Not only does he separate, but he separates because he's sovereign. Sovereign means he has all power, all authority, all dominion. And when he says to his people, just ask, whatever we ask in the name of Christ, according to his will, he will do it. He will open the Red Sea. To make 1.3 million people walk across dry shot. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. Moses cried out to the Lord. The Lord said, stop crying. This day you will see the salvation of the Lord. Joshua is fighting the battles of the Lord in Joshua chapter 10. And there were a bunch of God's enemies that were just about to get away. And Joshua said, Lord, cause the sun to stand still and the moon not move until I defeat all your foes. And you know what the scripture says? The sun stood still and the moon stood still until Joshua destroyed all his foes. And here we are with a little weak man that some of us would dare to want to challenge. He simply says, God, would you for a moment intervene supernaturally in order to grant me an assurance of your faith. I could go on and on because we're going to see another one in the 13th chapter with a judge that most people don't understand. But remember what I told you? When you don't understand them, you're going to assign bad pejorative conclusions on them. But Brother Samson is one of the baddest judges in all of Israel. 
and he's going to call upon God and the earth is going to quake and God's going to destroy all of God's people's foes too. See, can I say something, ladies and gentlemen? The problem is not with God. It's with us. It's true. Amen. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan.